0: If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day.
1: Greatness does not mean what it is that you accomplish. It means what it is that you wake up every day and fight for.
0: If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show. Don't Keep Your Day Job. My name is Kathy Heller and I'm a singer-songwriter. I make a living doing what I love and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration but some real life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. Thanks to Audible for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job for a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. Go to audible.com/streamjob. Thanks Audible. Hey guys, this is Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. It is awesome getting to know so many of you on the Facebook page. As I've said before, if you haven't come to our Facebook page, you've got to come on over there. It's one of the most positive interactions I've seen on Facebook. People are posting what they want to do. People are posting when they have a hurdle, when something feels overwhelming and people are being vulnerable and it's incredible to see that kind of courage and then everyone else is posting comments to be supportive and i love that i think it's so important for us to create a culture around ourselves where there's support and there's positivity and people who can help us continue to stay in it and that's what i want to talk about today i want to talk about a book i'm listening to on audible called grit it's by angela duckworth she did a ted talk about this and i mentioned this in the first episode and this is so important she's talking about what they found in their research the number one indicator of someone's success is not their IQ, it's not their talent, it's not where they were born, it's not their shoe size, it's how much grit, it's how much perseverance they have, it's how much they're willing to stick in it. So I really want you to hear this because every guest we've had on this show, that is the common denominator. They've all been willing to stick at it. They've had that grit. So what does that mean? That means perseverance is passion and commitment over a long period of time. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's a long distance run. So often, people are looking for an immediacy. They want a result right away, and if they don't get it, they get so easily defeated, they get so rejected, they feel like it's not gonna happen, and they just walk away, they walk away from something that is their key to happiness and this is the other thing i wanted to talk about every conversation that you've had if you whether you realize it or not at the end of the day the goal is you want to be happy whether you're talking about a trip you're going to take or a relationship issue you're having or a job you're working on you want to be happy we all want that every person wants to be happy maggie kylie was here on our last episode and i said to her what's your why why do you why do you want to be a director and why have you been willing to stick at it and put all this effort in And she said, well, I could tell you that it's inspiring and it's fulfilling and it's true. She said, but the real adjective I would use is happy. She said, I'm so happy. When I'm on set and I take selfies of my sweaty head when I'm directing, she said, I'm just so happy. And Elizabeth Karen spoke about that. She said, when I'm doing photography and I'm on a set, I'm just never happier than I am there. And I know for myself, when I'm in a studio and I'm recording a song, it's like Disneyland. It's so incredible. The time just passes so quickly You've had those moments. You know what I'm talking about? When you feel like you're in that zone where ideas are just coming out of you and you're just so creative and you're doing something that even surpasses what you thought you could do because you were meant to do that thing. That's your gift. And, you know, especially today, people are talking about wanting to make a difference in the world. And I've said this before. It's so true. The best way for you to make a difference in this world is to take care of your own happiness. Happiness is an inside job. And so often we're looking for something else or someone else to fill us up, or some amount of money, or some item, or some project. When you do what makes you happy, you're gonna take responsibility for your own happiness and you're gonna be a happy person. And then whatever relationship you're in is gonna just naturally be better because you are gonna be in control of your own state. Your own state of being is gonna be vibrating at such a high level. So I want you to get busy doing what it is that you love. And instead of looking for an immediate sense of gratification, I want you to know that the grit is something that you can control. The effort you put in is something you can control. All right, guys, I just want to tell you a little bit about Audible for a second, because all the time people are saying that they don't have the resources and we have these excuses that we don't have the time, we don't have the money, we don't know where to get things. Audible is something that you can listen to when you're driving, you're stuck in traffic, you're on the subway, the bus, doing chores, working around the house, at the gym, shopping. It's amazing. And for our audience, Audible is offering something special. They're going to give you a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. Just go to audible.com/dreamjob. You can download a title for free. You can start listening. It's really that simple. Audible has an unmatched selection of audiobooks. They've got original shows, news, comedy, and more. And recently, I've been listening to Angela Duckworth's book, Grit. Fantastic book. If it's something you feel like checking out, you're also going to be supporting our podcast in doing so. When you guys go ahead and you support our sponsors, you're not only going to get something back, but you're also going to be supporting us. So it's win-win-win. If you want to check it out and get a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial, go to audible.com/dreamjob. It means so much to us and I guarantee you you're going to find tons of titles of audiobooks that you can listen to that you're going to come back and say how much you loved. And go ahead and post on our Facebook page, tell us what you listened to, tell us what's great. Let's swap ideas of what books we can all be listening to. There's another book you can listen to on Audible by Carol Dweck. It's called Mindset. And the research that she's done is awesome because it backs up everything that Angela Duckworth's book is talking about. And she says that when you continue to put in effort, your brain literally changes in response to challenges. So failure is not a permanent state. So whatever response you've gotten, whatever rejection you had... The more you practice, you literally are gonna get better because your brain is going to change in response to how you show up for that particular project. And you'll get better and better at it, just like you did when you learned to ride a bike, and just like you did when you played that Super Mario Brothers game the first three times, you just get better until finally you do it so quickly. And this is what it's about. So I want you to stay in it. And Angela Duckworth says in her book that there's a couple things that you can do to keep your grit, to increase your level of grit. And one of those things, is optimism. She says that people who tend to have a more optimistic outlook have a greater sense of grit. So that those two things go hand in hand. So what I want you to do is practice that optimism. And I want you to put yourself in a situation where you're around people who are gonna help lift you up and keep you going. And what she says is that people who are optimistic even if there's a 90% chance that something isn't going to work, they'll focus on the 10% that it might. They'll keep looking at what is possible, and they'll focus on that. And it doesn't matter what the odds are because they're just going to keep going. And isn't this the quality that we admire most? You know, every movie we've ever watched is about a person who keeps going, and that's why we love those movies. We look at those people, whether they're whether it's Rocky or whether it's a, a movie like Shawshank Redemption or whether it's a movie like Dead Poet Society. And we look at those qualities in people when no matter what they're going through, they just keep going and that's why we cry and that's why we're so moved by that because we know that that quality is inside of all of us and we know that's something that we can all aspire to achieve and we love seeing that in other people. That's the ultimate quality and she says, they've measured it, grit is the ultimate determining factor when it comes to success. So I want you to rest assured that if you stick at it and you put in that grit, you are gonna get there. And like Carol Dweck says, you're gonna get better and better at your craft until you're gonna master it. My grandma used to say, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it. And it's so true. I just wanted to share something with you. Um, yesterday I went to a funeral and I know it's heavy and I know it's not something that anyone ever wants to talk about, but I just feel like I had to I had to be real and you know, let you know what was going on with me, and the truth is that when I was standing there, I was realizing how desensitized we all get from that whole thing, and nobody gets out of this alive, and the stakes are really high, and I wanted to remind you of something, and you might have heard this before, but I just want to be another voice to tell you this. There are no copies in the game of life. You are an original, and if you have something to say in this world, and you have something that you love to do, please do it please do it because no one else is going to do you the way you can and we only have a limited amount of time to say what we want to say in this world and to get to touch the lives of people or even just to feel that kind of happiness and joy that you deserve to feel so i want to just continue to remind you that you're unique no two fingerprints are the same my daughter's two best friends they're five-year-old girls and they're twins and each one of them has a different fingerprint even twins every person each person is a whole universe because there's something in you that only you can add to this tapestry. So please, please get busy doing what you do best, what makes you happy, and let's make the most of this time. And I think that is the greatest testament we can give to those who've passed, to those who we missed, to those who have a legacy that they've left behind. Is The greatest thing we can do is not to be so desensitized, but to really understand that every second It's such a precious gift, and life becomes so incredibly amazing when we do what we love and we stop listening to those voices that scare us and tell us that we can't, and we get out of our own way and we do what we're really put here to do. No one's going to do what you do like you do, so do it. So now we're going to jump into interviewing Saul Blinkoff. He's an artist. He's an animator. He's gone on to direct animation, and he started out a kid- with a great talent for drawing. And we're going to now hear how that talent and that love of drawing turned into an incredible career and how his passion has allowed him to go on and be an animator on Disney movies like Hunchback of Notre Dame and Pocahontas and Mulan. He's got a great story. I can't wait to dive in. So Saul, so glad you're here.
1: Yeah, hi. How are you? Good, good.
0: Um, So let's talk about where this started. Let's take us back. We We want to get to your journey. We want to figure out how... You were able to make a living doing what you love.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where
0: does that start?
1: Well, I can say, I mean, for me, earliest memory is drawing. I mean, all kids love to draw. When I, when I was a little kid, I was six, seven years old. I just loved drawing. And I noticed that my mom liked my drawings and would put them on the refrigerator. And I remember going, Oh, I, I guess if I do more drawings, <laughs> I'll be able to cover up more of that refrigerator. <laughs> And that was the first attention that I got. You know, I have a twin sister and I have a brother who's older. And uh, that was my thing. I was the art, the artist of the family. And I never stopped drawing. And uh, I never thought about career. I never thought about what do I want to do when I grow up. I just was a kid that drew. I said to my parents, you know what? I'm, I want to be an artist. And they got me an art teacher to come to the house. Now, I have to tell you, I had the terrible art program in high school. But my parents, seeing that I loved art, they spent extra money, got me this tutor to come to the home once a week. And she taught me to draw from life. She taught me to draw with pastel and painting and all this amazing stuff. And I was going to be an artist until junior year of high school. And I see another movie, The Little Mermaid. (laughs) And I remember watching that movie. I'm like, mom, that is what I want to do. She's like, what, you want to fall in love with a fish? I'm like, no, I want to work in animation. So that's really where my dream was set. I remember, I literally remember saying, Saul's dream is to become a Disney animator course i had to make it
0: so specific
1: oh yeah i know I, a lot of people are like oh so i'm inspired by your story but i i don't know what i want to do yet i mean you're lucky that you knew that i'll tell you what i was lucky about not was i lucky that i knew that but i'm lucky that i have incredibly supportive parents because today if you want to be a disney animator i mean i got to tell you this if you go to a great restaurant and you taste an unbelievable dessert well you can make that at home if you have the recipe I did not know how to become a Disney animator. Today, you go to Google and you type in, how do you become whatever right. you want? And you're going to get 800,000 answers, maybe half of which are actually true, right. right? But my mom takes me on a trip from New York to Disney World. And she's walking me around Disney World going over to everybody saying, my son wants to oh be a Disney God. animator. Can, oh she literally God. did that. Amazing. amazing. Like, who she does that? You didn't
0: even know that they would be waiting there for you. No. It wasn't like you had a tour yeah, of like no. an animation Just literally, studio. I'm <laughs>
1: taking my son to Disney World to go find out how so we find out that you basically have to go to this building called the disney casting building that's where they hire all their their cast members their employees so i go to this building how and old are I, you and i'm uh you know a junior in high school and i will never forget it was the morning we got there like right when they opened and i remember the building can you imagine what like a disney office building looks like amazing yeah. the doorknobs <laughs> look like the ones from alice in wonderland yeah. you know the ones that talk they're made out of brass you know i open up the doors I walk in and I'm in this atrium with gold statuettes of Mickey, Donald, Pluto, Goofy. Even the air in there, I will never forget that that yeah. Disney air. You know, it had like pixie dust, you know. And there's this ramp that you walk up and on the ceiling is painted Peter Pan, Wendy and all that. And there's a painting of Walt Disney on the side holding a sketchbook. And I will never forget stopping for – I still get chills thinking about it, stopping with my mom and going, Mom, how will I ever get to work for this company? And I finally they call my name. It's my time for the interview, and the lady says, "What would you like?" I'm like, "I'm here because I want to be a Disney animator." And she says, "We do not hire Disney animators here." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, who do you hire?" <laughs> this is the wrong line. You're like, I know.
0: Next new choice. take New it again. choice. Right. Make- she,
1: she says, "We're gonna we hire people that work the rides in the park or sell merchandising and oh. things." So I was discouraged. You know, I'm yeah, at, the, I'm, I'm a, the, I'm at the entrance to the castle, oh, literally, and like. So then she says, "Hold on a sec." And she goes out of the room and comes back in a minute later and hands me a piece of paper. Kathy, that piece of paper was the most valuable piece of paper I ever held in my hands. It was a list of eight schools, eight art schools that Disney recruits from. She says, if you want to be a Disney animator, you have to go to one of these schools. Remember I told you how you know you have a dream, a goal. If you don't know how to do it, it's not going to happen. Right. If you want to make something incredible to eat, a dessert, you need the recipe. Well, that piece of paper became the recipe. And in my head, I saw this as an equation. And this is something I think that your listeners could really, really remember. The equation that I saw in my head was Saul plus blank will equal dream of becoming a Disney animator. For the first time in my life, I knew what that blank was. It was go to one of these schools. So all your listeners listening, whatever your goal is, whatever your dream is, you have to spend equal amount of time working on your craft Equal amount of time in figuring out the how you can achieve something. Now what's the
0: strategy? What's the
1: strategy? And there's many ways to achieve something. But stand on the shoulders of all that came before you. Read the stories. And I have artists come up to me. And they're like, how do I get into Disney? How do I get into Pixar? How do?" And I said to them, have, have you bought all the Disney, Pixar art of books, the art of this movie, the art of that, man read them? Oh, well, no. Because if you read those books, you, right. you would find out how all those people that worked there got there. Every story is unique. But stand on the shoulders of that. So my mom takes me on a, to each of these art schools on a tour around the country to see which would be a good fit for her son. And I get to one school. I'm in Columbus, Ohio, the Columbus College of Art and Design. And I'd been to one school after another. And I look into the halls of this school. And I'm still figuring out if this is a good school. And I'm telling you, Kathy, the artwork on the walls of this school was 100 times better than anything I could ever do. And I was Intimidated. And I literally had that feeling like, why would I want to go to a school where I would be the worst artist at the school? Mm-hmm. You know, why would you want to step on a court and play basketball if you know you're the worst? See, we like to do things that we do well.
0: Right. But it makes you better. When you play against someone on chess who's better than you, you get better just by yeah, playing Yeah. But them my whole someone. life at that point, of I had, course, I had only, totally I was the
1: best artist in my house.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you
1: understand? <laughs> I was better than my brother and sister. But when I got into the real world and I saw what real students' art looks like who are only a year older than me every piece of artwork I saw was a year older than me and it was a hundred times but I was intimidated. But like you said, you know, when you find something you want, when you surround yourself with people that are better than you, you grow. I'll tell you what a, you know, you mentioned Michael Jordan before and uh, in the 90s, he was a big hero of mine and it's literally what you said. Yeah, like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, when I was 11 years old, I was standing uh, next to the court before a game and I said to my brother, I'm going to go step on the court and go meet him. <laughs> yeah. And my Brother's like, You're not gonna go do it. And as soon as he finished that sentence, oh my God. I was standing on the court. I was I was like 11, 12 years old. You're crazy standing on the court, and I, I peeked up to him and I said, Hi, Mr. Jordan. You and, are he, and he shook amazing. my hand. I can't believe no. you have the. Yeah, best there you go. That's that. right. And that's one thing I like to tell your listeners you know, when there's something you want in life, get out of your comfort zone and go get it. He walked up <laughs> and said hello to him. Say hello, to him. And, I, and he shook my hand. And by the way, I still have never washed this hand. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the thing I was gonna tell you. Oh my God! I heard a story about Michael when he was in the NBA the first year. First year, he already had Air Jordan sneakers. He was already making a gajillion dollars a game, right? After one game, he walks off the court, and one of the sports writers comes up to him and says, "Mike, you know you're an offensive machine. You're a scoring machine. You're great, but you know what? Your defense, it's a little lacking." And you know what Michael oh Jordan God. could have said to the guy? Dude, right. d- dude, you know how much money I just made? Right. Your, your kid's probably wearing my Air Jordan sneakers. You right. probably have my Michael Jordan poses over your bed. I'm going to listen to you. But years later, Michael said in an interview, he heard one thing. Something I'm doing is giving that guy the perception that I don't have a defensive game. I guess I better work harder on defense. And he did. And next year in the NBA, only one player was named the defensive player of the year. Number 23, Michael, Jordan, <laughs> wow. because if we want to be great in life, and that is something I think that everyone wants. It's universal. I don't care if you're right. two years old. I don't care if you're 120 years old. Every single person in the entire world wakes up and they want greatness.
0: And that's what I always tell people because people will talk so much about what they want. I want this. And I complain about what they don't have. And I get it. People are frustrated. But it's like, how much are you doing? Yeah. How much are you talking about what you want to do and how much are you actually putting in effort? It takes tremendous effort, which is why I think people look up to Sylvester Stallone You hear his story about Rocky or you look up to people like Michael Jordan or I look up to you or people look up to, you know, songwriters look up to me and I'm like, look, you know, it takes a lot of effort. I'm not the most talented person in the world, but I'm a person who's willing to like stick at it. Yeah. Talent can only get you so far. So take me back. So you go to Columbus school. So
1: I got to say this one thing. I can't tell you how many hours I spent at the zoo drawing terrible drawings of elephants and I'd have kids come <laughs> up around me and they'd come and they go oh their mom would be like look he's an artist drawing at the zoo when I was in school to get into Disney you gotta do yeah, animals yeah, from yeah, life people, yeah. and so I'm doing these drawings and some of these drawings are just terrible and there's a kid that came up on me once he's like mama that doesn't look like an elephant oh, and I wanted God. to say get out of here kid you know? but you know what
0: <laughs> what do you know about an elephant
1: the point of doing every drawing is to get better and to grow and to get to the next one. It's not to get that feeling of, look what I did on the fridge. Right. you know what I mean? Right. So like you said, yeah, I started at the school. I remember when I got to the school, um, it was a very competitive time. This is before Pixar existed, before DreamWorks existed. Anybody that wanted to work in animation wanted Disney. And it was a very competitive place. I remember uh, I actually uh, I walked into uh, this guy's room and I saw this guy had Mickey Mouse slippers. I'm thinking like, what kind of college guy wears Mickey Mouse slippers, yeah? I noticed he had a Mickey Mouse bedspread. He had a Mickey Mouse telephone, Mickey Mouse lunchbox. Like every Disney poster. It was Disney World in a room. I see in the corner, he's got sketchbooks. So I start thumbing through his sketchbooks and there are like hundreds of drawings of Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse playing baseball, scared Mickey, sad Mickey. I I never drew Mickey before in my life. I was a little intimidated, (laughs) yeah? He He had another sketchbook of hands all drawings of hands. It's one of those things my art teacher used to have me draw, like draw my hand from different positions. I open up the sketchbook and it's like the four finger white glove, you know, the Mickey hand from all these different positions. And I'm like, this guy is Mickey crazy. I turn to leave the room and I bump into the guy whose room it is. Uh Uh-oh, I'm busted. I said, hey man, I'm sorry. He looks at me and he says, how are you doing? No. I'm like, "Uh, no, he doesn't. I'm like, good, what's your name? He says, My name is Jason, but people call me Mickey Mouse Jason. I'm like, they call you what? He goes, Mickey Mouse. I'm like, you have a Disney nickname? He's like, what? You don't? I'm like, no, I don't. I go back to my room. I get on the phone with my mom. I'm like, mom, if I'm going to fit in in the school, you better send me some Mickey slippers. (laughs) I'm going to need a Disney nickname. You have to understand, I was surrounded by people that all wanted to work for Disney. Oh, my God. And I, again, was intimidated until a week later. And this part is awesome. Get ready. A week later representative from the Walt Disney Company comes to our school. He gets up on a stage. There are 750 art students in the auditorium, every freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. The guy gets up on the stage from Disney and he says, how many of you want to work at Disney? Every hand went up.
0: Oh, no. That's not good. He
1: said, out of the 750 of you, maybe four of you will ever work there. That's how competitive it is. And the second he said that, I thought one thing. I wonder who the other three are going to be. Because when you believe in yourself, you either believe in yourself or you don't. There's no gray. You either believe in yourself that you can accomplish something or you don't. And then he says, if you want to work at Disney, here's what you need. And I was like on the edge of my seat listening. Like, what do I have to do? He says, you need to have a portfolio, 25 pages, a figure drawing and anatomy. All drawings done from life. We don't want to see any cartoon characters and especially no drawings of Mickey Mouse. I was like, oh, yeah. You could see Mickey Mouse Jason (laughs) slouching his chair, you know. He's like, oh boy, you know. But to me, the equation was building. And this is something your listeners can really take away. You know, when you have that equation of you plus what will equal your dream, you want to always add to that equation. So at first I knew I had to go to this certain art school. That's number one, check. Number two, now Disney's telling me I need to have 25 pages of figure drawing and anatomy to get my dream. Always adding to that equation. And then I went to figure drawing class the next day and started to draw nonstop. I remember uh, that first week, you know, when you're in college, everyone's going out partying and drinking. I go to one party. true story. There's this guy in the corner. His name is Andy. And he's doing drawings of people drinking. I go over to this guy. I'm like, what class is this for? He's like, it's not for a class. I'm like, so why are you drawing people drinking? He says, because I want to get better. He became my best friend. Andy was, by far, as a freshman, better than almost any artist in that school. And I can tell you, just by hanging out with a guy like this, made me a better artist, gave me better work ethic. And it's another thing your your listeners can take away. It's like who you choose to surround yourself with doesn't just affect if you have a good time on a Saturday night. It affects who you become.
0: So what happens? You apply to Disney? What, from there? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, from there, I got the portfolio together. Um, Andy and I both sent our portfolios. Well, first, I sent it my sophomore year. I sent my portfolio in and I waited and I got a letter. Do most on.
0: people send sophomore year? Nah. They until senior year. Right. right. You're absolutely
1: right. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I just, I was too excited. Yeah. And I okay. wanted to go through the process. I sent the portfolio in. Uh, a month later, I got a letter on Disney stationery, you know, that gold leaf Mickey imprinted on that envelope. Wow. It was awesome. And I opened up the letter. And I said, Saul, thanks for sending your portfolio in, but unfortunately, you didn't make it. And
0: you are the weakest link. (laughs) Yeah, you know. And you know
1: what? I didn't expect to get in. Right, right. As a matter of fact, Kathy, I actually remember thinking I was happy that the Walt Disney Company knew that I was alive. You know, I took that letter. I put it up on my wall. Friends of mine were coming into my dorm I'm somebody. room. somebody. They're Remember like, in the "Wow!" When he
0: sees his yeah. name in the phone book, he's like, "I'm in here!"
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I they
0: know I'm alive. They,
1: they know, I put that Disney letter on my board on my bulletin so board. So
0: then you go through another year. year. Yeah. Hold
1: on no, not yet. I, I back it up. I, I know. Up. I know you want to get me there, but hold on. It took a little longer than you might think. Sophomore year, send that portfolio got rejected. Junior year, now Andy and I both send our portfolios together, and I'm, uh, we wait. And a month goes by and uh, I get a call and it's Andy on the phone. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, did you hear? I'm like, no, did you? He's like, yeah. I said, what'd you hear? He says, I got in. Oh, my God. I said, what? You got you got in? He's like, yeah, I got the internship. I'm like, that's amazing. Congratulations. He's like, but you didn't hear? I'm like, no, but they could be trying to call me right now. We didn't have call waiting back then, right? <laughs> I got to get off the phone. So I hang up the phone. <laughs> I'm pacing back and forth in my dining room. I was home in New York. My mom was pacing back and forth. We're waiting. And then I can't stand it. I'm not, the phone's not ringing. So I called the head of Disney myself. Who does that? Well, I did. I get the <laughs> you also head of. to talk to Michael Jordan. Yeah, there you go, right? I stepped on the court at 11. Well, I'm not going to call the guy at Disney, of course. So I called this guy at Disney. I get him on the phone. I said, Listen, uh, my name is Saul. I went, Oh, Saul, I, I have your name on a list here. I'm like, Yeah. Andy goes, Yeah. He didn't make it. Oh. I'm, I'm like, What? He's like, Yeah, you didn't God, make it. I'm, hey. I'm like, But what about Andy? He's like, Yeah, he made it. You didn't. I'm like, Oh. I remember, like, slouched down in my chair. Oh. It was a bittersweet moment. Was I happy that my buddy was getting in? Of course. But discouraged because I'm going back to Ohio in the wintertime. Not good. Andy's going to Disney. Orlando. Do you know what they call Disney World? The happiest place on earth. Yeah. You know, Andy's going to the happiest they place say on that earth. don't about Ohio. No, they don't. I'm going back to the most <laughs> depressing place no, on earth, you know. And I get back to school. And I'm walking the halls. And you know what I had waiting for me? I had everybody come up to me like, but? <laughs> Like, Saul, what are you doing here? I thought you got into Disney. Oh, you didn't make it. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, Saul, where's Andy? Oh, he got in, but you didn't. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. that's awesome. And you know aye, I aye, felt? Aye. I felt like a big loser. Yeah, that's not a good feeling at all. I felt like a loser. And I felt like I was known as the guy that was friends with the guy who got into Disney. No,
0: you don't want to be that guy.
1: And because I, came, I felt like a loser and I became known as the guy who didn't get what he wanted, I came up with the most brilliant solution. If any of your listeners out there ever feel like a loser for not getting what they want, here is the perfect solution to getting rid of that feeling. You know what I did? I gave up. I gave up on the entire dream. Instead of being known as the guy that didn't get what he wanted, I took away the one. I gave up on anything because reality set in. Reality was Andy was an awesome artist and I was just average. Who was I to think that I could work among the elite at the greatest animation studio on earth? Reality said The naysayer. And I gave up on the entire thing. And then a week later, a buddy calls me up. He says, Saul, I got tickets to go see a movie. You want to go? I'm like, dude, I'm not in the mood. He's like, but they're free. I'm like, oh, okay, then I'll go. Because when you're in college and someone offers you free, <laughs> yeah. you go. So I go to the movies. I'm watching this movie. And at the end of the movie, tears are streaming yeah. down my face, crying. This movie is a true story about a guy. He's five feet tall. He doesn't have an ounce of athletic ability and he wants to play football at Notre Dame.
0: Oh, it's the best movie ever. Right? Rudy. Oh, my God. That movie is so I'm watching that movie
1: and I'm thinking, you know, first of all, it's a true story. Rudy. That's
0: such a good If movie. you were
1: friends with Rudy and he told oh, you he wanted to play movie. football at Notre Dame, you know what you would have told him as his friend? You would have been like, dude, I love you, but no. get a new dream. You're yeah. not an athlete. And you know what Rudy said? Oh, Yeah. Well, we'll just see about that. And he tries to get My in. God, I'm cry just thinking and about you know them, what happens? So he gets rejected. He tries a second time, yeah. rejected. Third time, rejected. Yeah. But fourth time, you know, if you look at the movie poster for the movie oh, Rudy, so the tagline on the poster says, When people tell you dreams don't come true, tell them about Rudy. He gets in. And I'm watching that movie and I'm thinking one thing. If an unathletic kid could get into Notre Dame, Then what I thought was an untalented artist, me, could get into Disney. And I decided right then and there, I would never give up again. Remember I told you when I was in college the first year, that guy said, maybe four of you will ever work there. And I said, I believed in myself. Belief, it's like a light switch. It's either on or it's off. When I gave up on my dream, I put it off. And now after seeing that movie, Rudy, I bolted that light switch up. And I said, I will work hard for this every second I have, every day that I have. But... I'm going to have to make some changes. I called up the head of Disney again the next day. Oh, my God. This guy. Who does that? Well, I did. (laughs) Yeah. I get this guy on the phone. I said, listen, let me ask you a question. How close was I? He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, how close was I to getting into this internship? He's like, well, Saul, we picked 17 students from over 3,800 portfolios around the world. You made it to number 20. I had missed it by three. And I was going to give up on the whole thing. Do you know how many times in our lives we could be so close to achieving something and yet we feel we're miles away and all we need to do is just push a little bit more. Then I asked him another question. Why didn't I get in? Why didn't you choose me? Why did I fail? He's like, you know what? You need more perspective in your drawing. I said, what does that mean? He's like, instead of drawing the model and figure drawing class from wherever you're sitting, why don't you move around the room or walk up or stand on a stool and look down or look up? Give us something dynamic. You know what I heard right there? answer key the equation was building saul go to this school check portfolio figure drawing check figure drawing that has perspective your people listening all of us michael jordan if he's listening what he can't get better he can get better we all want to be great greatness means i'm always striving to become better and that means i always need to ask the question what can i be doing to get better Oh, you won four Oscars? Yeah, you you still think you're perfect? No, you could become better. How? So then he said, put perspective in your drawing. I go to figure drawing class the next day. I set up a stool. I got on a ladder. I'm drawing the model. And I remember some guys in the back of the room. They're like, look at the dork standing up on the stool, like making fun of me. Did I care what they thought? No. Who cares what they think? Disney told me what I had to do. I get the portfolio together. I get my best drawings. As a matter of fact, I remember looking at my walls of my apartment And I had all my favorite artwork up. Every piece of drawing I've done that I loved, all my artwork up. You know what I did, Kathy? I ripped it all down. Every piece of artwork I ripped down. Instead, I put up drawings of Michelangelo, Leonardo. I called up Andy at Disney. I'm like, hey, man, send me artwork. I wallpapered my room with artwork that's 100 times better than me. Because when we want to grow in life, we need a vision of what we're trying to aspire to be. Not just to know where we are, but what am I trying to right. become? Absolutely. You know, we're not human beings; we're human becomings. We're growing. We need a vision of that. And then, the same representative from the Disney company decides he's going to come to our school. He's going to look at our portfolios, and he's going to decide from those portfolios which he wants to send to Florida for further review. Okay, because Disney's getting bombarded with portfolios because *Beauty and the Beast* just came out, was nominated for Best Picture Oscar. So they're not letting wow. anyone that's send crazy. portfolios anymore because they're getting I didn't tons. Know that. Disney oh yeah, it
0: was nominated for
1: best yeah. picture. it lost to *Silence of the Lambs*. Well, those are two very yeah. different choices. Yeah, and by the way, you have to understand that's before there was an animation category to, to have an that's animated. Film. Amazing, amazing, yeah. The only other film to ever be nominated for best picture animated was, if your listeners are listening, anyone know out there? Anyone know? Uh, it's *Toy Story 3* was nominated, and when that was nominated, there was already an animation category for Best Animated Film. So that's a really big deal to be nominated even when there was a category. Amazing. So watch this. Wow. The Disney guy comes to our school and, I, and I'm terrified to show this guy my portfolio because this guy, Kathy, was one of the original animators on Sleeping Beauty. He used to hang out with Walt Disney. This is the guy that knows...
0: He has a monocle. He's got yeah. Like a yeah. Handlebar mustache. Oh, big like, oh, white oh, beard.
1: So. Yeah. His name was Bill Matthews. He had a tie, like a Disney Mickey tie. Like this is the real guy. He takes my portfolio. He had the coolest voice. He was like, so my boy, I like your drawings. That's what he said. Yeah, so, Sean, Sean. money, penny. He's like, so my boy, I like your drawings. I'd like to send your portfolio to Florida for further review. Would you like that? I'm like, would I like that? Yes, I would like that. You know, I was the happiest guy in the world. I mean, you have to understand, Kathy, for the first time in my life, somebody liked my artwork other than my mom, okay? It was like a big moment. So I hand him my portfolio. And as I hand it to him, I don't let go. I'm clutched on it. And so is he. And I'm in a tug of war with this 70 year old man. He's like, Saul, my boy, what are you doing? (laughs) I yanked it out of his hands. No, he
0: didn't.
1: True story. I yanked it out of his hands. I said, Bill, let me ask you a question. Where are you going after this school? He's like, well, I'm going to that school. I'm going there. I said, so when do you actually need the portfolio in Florida to look at it? Oh,
0: my God. He's like, well, not
1: for two weeks. Why? I said, because any drawing I do tomorrow has to be better than every drawing that's in this book. And if I had two more weeks, I could do better work. He said, "No problem. Here's the address. Send it to me." You have to understand, I was working so so Clearly, hard. That's such you know that's something I didn't tell you before: when I didn't get into Disney the second time, and right after I saw the movie Rudy, I remember one of my art professors said something so brilliant to me. This is something your listeners can really, really uh, learn something from. Incredible piece of wisdom that he gave me. He said to me, "Saul, can you control whether Disney says yes or no?" I said, no. He says, can you control how good any other artist is? I said, no. He says, so what can you control? So I thought about it. I said, well, I could control how good I am as an artist, right? He says, no, you can't. You think Michael Jordan can control that he'd become the best basketball player that ever lived? No, he controlled one thing. He took 450 jump shots every single day before breakfast. My professor looked at me and said, Saul, the only thing that any of us can control in this life is the investment we make into something. The work we put in. The outcome is not up to us. So stop thinking about the outcome and focus on the effort that you're making. And then he told me a sentence and he told me to write it down. And I did. I took out a piece of paper. He said, write down this sentence. Nobody worked harder today than me.
0: Jeez, that's good. And
1: he says, if you can't say that sentence and it's true, you don't go to bed.
0: That's it right there. Nobody
1: worked harder today than me. You know, think about how many people right now are listening to this. And how many people listening to this right now should be realized that whatever it is that you want, whatever job you dream of, whatever it is you want, there's about a 1,000 to 10,000 people who want it just as bad, if not more than you. And every time you go on Facebook and you post pictures of what food you're eating (laughs) or you have to go binge watch Scandal or whatever you're doing, there's someone else out there that's not doing those things and they're working hard for what they want. Right. We got to keep that in mind.
0: And what's exciting is that they say that less than ten percent of your competition is actually taking any action at all. Mm. And so, if you really actually do it, that's so good. Then the one or two steps you take really turns into five or twenty because you're actually doing more than most people. You're so moving. Just, you're, you move it you're up moving. the ladder, exactly. Beautiful. So you stand out because you're, you're competing against a lot of mediocrity.
1: Yeah. So so I I'm about to walk out in my portfolio. And this is a key moment for me. I turned back to Bill Matthews and I said, Bill, can I ask you another question? You look at artwork from students all around the world, right? He's like, yeah. I said, well, well, all you told me just now is that you liked my artwork and that you want to send it to Florida. You didn't tell me anything I could do to get it better. You see, when we fail in life, of course, that's a perfect opportunity to ask someone, why did I fail? When we get rejected, ask someone, why was I rejected? Right. So
0: you're not taking it personally and licking your wounds, you're using it as an opportunity to grow you have and saying, to. let me hear it.
1: You have to. If you ever pitch a show, pitch a movie, whatever it is, if you have somebody across that desk from you who says to you, no, or if they send you a letter, no, it is, you have to do everything in your power to find out why. Because if you can answer use that it. question, use why, it. use it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what happens... This guy, Bill, is telling me my artwork is good. He loves it. He didn't tell me anything that was wrong with it. But even then, I know I'm not perfect. There's got to be something he can tell me that I can do to make it better. So he said, you know what? Why don't you put effects in your portfolio? I said, what's that? Saying when you watch a movie like The Lion King and it's raining, there's fire, water, smoke. That's a division of animators called effects animators. He's like, you should put some of that into your portfolio. I said, thank you. Answer key. Again, growing, figuring out what I need to do better. I go back to my dorm room that night. I took my entire portfolio, I put it under my bed, and I said, It doesn't exist.
0: Oh my God. Can I
1: actually create an entirely new portfolio oh, in two geez, weeks? And that's exactly weeks. what I did. And here's why I didn't want to send my portfolio with those effects drawings and have Bill Matthews look at it and go, Oh, Saul, I remember him. Nice guy from Ohio. Oh, look, I remember this drawing. I remember that drawing. Oh, look, he did a couple of effects drawings just like I expected. That's not what I wanted. What I want it to happen is what actually happened. I want him to get the portfolio and go, oh, Saul, nice guy from Ohio. Wait, wait a minute. He did that drawing? That's new. He did a whole new portfolio and effects drawings? Because in life, we always want to exceed expectations. Exceed expectations. If you're listening to this right now and you haven't written down those two words, you're not serious about being great. Exceed expectations. Here's what it means. If you have a project and it's due at 8 o'clock in the morning, you have it there at 7.50. If they want 10 problems solved, you do 12. You know what? By the way, you know, same thing goes for relationships. My wife could call me up on a Friday and say, honey, can you stop by the supermarket and pick up X, Y, and Z? I could be driving home. What's she expecting? She's expecting me to walk into the house with X, Y, and Z. But I also can go, wait a minute. Let me stop off at the cleaners and pick up her dry cleaning. Even though she didn't ask me, i have a feeling she probably want that too. Yeah. And then I walk up the stairs. I got the stuff she wanted from the supermarket and the dry cleaning. Exceed expectations. Then Bill Matthews in Florida, the Disney guy, isn't saying, oh, do I like Saul's artwork? Then I'm selling myself. Yeah. Then he knows, oh, this is the kind of guy that works really, really hard. Right. And I sent that portfolio in and I waited. Two months go by. Two months two months do you know how hard it is to sleep <laughs> when you're waiting to Ohio, find out you know in the cold for two months. oh my gosh i still remember my mom like honey you're gonna get in i'm like mom you have to say that you're my mom you know so finally i get a call one day and who's on the phone it's andy he says to me hey man what's up i'm like hey what's happening i'm waiting he's like you're not gonna believe this i'm like what am i not gonna believe he's like they just built a brand new wing on the studio for the next interns he's like You deserve to be there, dude. I'm like, thanks. He's like, you know what else? I'm like, what? He's like, they built a basketball court just for Disney animators. And you love playing basketball. You deserve to play on that court. I'm like, thanks, man. He's like, yeah, but there is one more thing. I'm like, what? He's like, they put up a piece of paper on the wall in the hall that has a list of the next interns. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, you're on the list. I said, what do you mean? He's like, dude, you're on the list. I'm like, what? I know you're there, but what about me? He's like, no, you did it. I'm like, thank you. He's like, what are you thanking me for? I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh. I hang up the phone. I go over to my tape player. Many of your listeners probably don't know what tapes are. They they play music, okay? (laughs) And at the top of my lungs, I am singing, it's the circle of life and it moves us all, right? People are like oh leaning God. outside the rooms like Blinkoff got in. I remember getting on the phone. You
0: didn't have to go to Hollywood. I know, you
1: know. I know, right? I get on the phone. I call my mom. Can you imagine how fast I dialed? I get my mom on the phone and she can hear it in my voice. She's like, honey, honey, did you do it? I'm like, no, mom. We did it. She's like, what do you mean we did it? I well, said, Mom. You write
0: movies the yeah, way you talk. You, you make it all into a movie. It's my no, life. No, Mom, wait, like you meant to no, be a director. We did it. You speak to people.
1: And I'm like, Funny. Mom, don't you remember, Mom? You embarrassed me. You took me to Disney World, oh, walking yeah. me around. My, mom, I'm so, so lucky that I've had that support. And you know what? What a I,
0: gift to hear this story. Oh, yeah. Story. Oh, yeah. And I you get. You are a really good story. Thank telling. you. You're and I get to, to Disney,
1: and I remember getting there, and there's a guy at the airport. Jesus. He's got a sign with like my did name on it. He takes me to the Disney studios and I walk under this gate. It says Artist entrance. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. And this is the moment I walk into a room and there's 15 huge animation desks. This is before computer animation. And I go into the corner and I see on one of these desks is a nameplate, Saul Blinkoff, kid from New York that had no contacts. And if any of your listeners are listening right now, I will tell you, you can forget everything I've said in the last 20 minutes, that would be okay. If there is one thing to remember from what I've said to you, it's one thing and only, you know who you just got to listen to? Tell all your friends on Facebook, tell your entire family, you know who I just listened to? A guy that achieved his dream that was not talented. A guy that achieved his dream that was the worst artist in his school. People think all the time that people like Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods and all these great people wake up great. Nobody wakes up great.
0: So well, what happens next? So what's the first movie you're working on at that point? At
1: that time? Well, I started working on Pocahontas. was the first movie. Heard of it? As a matter of fact, I remember the last day of my internship. That same guy, Bill, brings me into his office. He's like, Saul, we want to offer you a five-year contract. Would you like? That? Oh
0: my God! Wait. So you do the internship for how long? Yeah, a summer. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, like three months. You know.
0: And then they hired you.
1: Well, he asked, but I always love it. He's like, Would you like a five? Would you like that? I'm like, Yes. Would uh, you like a five-year? He, year contract? he always. I'm like, Yes. So he's, he he gives me the contract. I sign it. This time, no tug of war. You know, you could have it. You know. <laughs> I started working on Pocahontas.
0: Then they did Hunchback. Then
1: I worked on Hunchback, um, Notre Dame. When you actually
0: get to draw a character. Yeah, well, I actually got that? to
1: work on Pocahontas herself. And then Hunchback. Uh, I'd say, though, Mulan was a really big one for me. Mulan was a movie that we made entirely in Florida. You have to understand, at that point, there was two Disney studios, California and Florida. And Florida was like a satellite studio. The Florida studio did like five minutes of the movie Aladdin, five minutes of you know, Beauty and the Beast, 20 minutes of Pocahontas. But Mulan was the first movie to entirely be animated in Florida. And I was really, really lucky uh, and fortunate to get to work on Shang. Remember the song? Let's get down to business, right? To defeat uh, uh, the Hans. (laughs) My daughter said to me, she's like, Dad, you're going to go on Kathy's podcast? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're not going to sing, are you? I said, honey, would that embarrass you? She said, yeah. I'm like, yeah, then I'm definitely going to sing. Like <laughs> <laughs> if you're a dad and you don't embarrass your 12-year-old daughter once a week. You're doing
0: something wrong. You're not good. No. You better
1: embarrass yeah. your kid. She needs stories. Right? She needs
0: to have a little bit That's of right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So you do Mulan. Then you did Tarzan. I worked
1: on Mulan. Then I worked on Tarzan. Uh, and it's just incredible. And at that time, actually, it was during Mulan that um, – They had cast this actor, Miguel Ferrara, I think was his name. He was the voice of Shan Yu, the villain in Mulan. And when you can't get the actors to come to the studio to do the voice, when you're making an animated movie, you do what's called a temp voice. You bring in a local somebody to do the voice. So they had auditions at the studio for anybody that likes to do voiceover. Would they like to do the voice for Shan Yu, the villain, before we get the actor? So one of my buddies is like, hey, I'm going to go do a voice audition. You want to do it? I never did anything like that. I'm like, I'll try to. So I go into this room. Kind of like the room we're in right now. We got the microphones and stuff. And the directors of Mulan are there. And they give me some lines to say. And I remember watching them thinking, I want to do this. I want to direct. Look what they're doing. I could do that. Anyway, I ended up getting the job. I did the the voice of Shan Yu, but not in the final movie. But I was the temp guy. Can I give you one of the lines? Yeah. Okay. So here's one of my favorite lines. Shan Yu finds this little doll that this little girl left. And he says, a little girl will be missing her doll. We should return it to her. There you go. That'll sound good for your listeners, okay? So at this point, everything was going so smooth. You know, I was animating on these Disney movies. But, uh, you know, Spielberg said in an interview once, he said, when you see someone doing something that you want to do, that's a sign to tell you maybe you should go for it, you know? When you see someone, you're like, I could do that. That interests me. So at that point, I'm animating on Mulan. And while I'm working, we had this huge library at the Disney Studios at the time, the research library. And while I was animating on the movie, I would every day put in audio cassettes and video cassettes of directors directing voice talent. I started to understand every part of the animation process, not just animating characters. I started delving into painting, art direction, so you layout. You
0: decided you wanted to direct animated movies. And as a
1: director, you I have to wear it. every hat. You know, one thing I tell young students, art students, sometimes I meet a student they're 20 something years old and and they'll know exactly what it is they want to do. And I say to them be careful. Don't get so specific so early. Make sure you at least give yourself the time to educate yourself and find out about different things and then make your decision because you could wake up in 10 years and only understand how to do one thing. And when you have interest to do something else, you have no idea how to do it. So it's really important to be broad and to wear many hats within your field. And remember, we want to grow in our careers. So I have to keep seeing how can I learn more? If you want to be a director, you have to be an expert at story. If you want to be an editor, you have to be an expert at story. If you want to be a composer, a musician, you have to be an expert at story. If any of your listeners are wanting to go into film, by the way, there's an amazing book I'd love to recommend to them. It's called Save the Cat. It's an incredible book. There's a lot to read about it, but you guys should all go out and get that book, Save the Cat, if you want any part of the animation process, film process. So while I'm animating on these films, I knew I wanted to be a director. So while I had my day job as animating, my dream was now changing, and I wanted to go back to being a filmmaker and a director. So while I wasn't at work, every weekend, every night, I started making, putting a lot of effort into directing and writing. So I wrote a little short film with a friend of mine, and about a little pig named Rudy. Oh my god! Oh, I just realized. why. Remember? There you go. And this was me just doing it. You know, sometimes people wait for an opportunity. Right,
0: make the content, show up. Go just ahead do it. And do it.
1: Just do it. Yeah. You know. And uh, so we made this short film. And we showed it around. And MTV offered me my first directing job in New York. The year is 2000. I went to New York and started directing this show called Spy Groove for MTV. And at that time, I started directing commercials. I did a lot of big commercials then, which is an amazing thing. By the way, I never directed commercials before. But the guy saw my work. He's like, look, you're a storyteller, whether you're telling a story over 80 minutes or 30 seconds. After that, I returned to Disney as a director, started directing movies at Disney. I did a Winnie the Pooh movie. I did Kronk's New Groove. Um, David Spade was in that? Yeah, David Spade. Oh, he was amazing to work with. Did
0: you work with Eartha Kitt? On Eartha that
1: Kitt, yeah. Eartha Kitt, the late Eartha Kitt, who was Catwoman. She was also uh, in St. Louis Blues, All old so There King you Cole were you in
0: Disney with a corner office directing oh, yeah.
1: David Spade. Oh, she, just incredible talent. Uh, Patrick Woburton. And one of the things about being at Disney that I loved and in and, and that field that I love is that when you surround yourself with artists like i said that are better than you you get better being around top of the line artists great painters great art directors talent amazing anyway i'm going through directing i want to just tell you one of the things that i love to do also is to write content and um a couple years back I wrote a project a South Beach musical with a good friend of mine a very successful songwriter named Desmond Child. Desmond wrote a lot of big music. Living on a prayer, living on a prayer you know, living la Literally vida loca, loca, you know stuff. <laughs> and he and I wrote this movie. We spent a year writing this movie. We pitched it to Dreamworks. And DreamWorks said yes. It was an incredible day. Tears streaming down my face. I was actually at the Apple store buying my very first iPhone. The second I bought the phone, the phone rings. It's my agent saying, DreamWorks wants to make a deal. Amazing. And yet, six months later, they passed on the whole thing. After six months, ups and downs. I've written so many projects. I've optioned a lot of projects. People get excited. And sometimes it's just they fall through the crack. It's like popcorn in the pan. Some pop and some don't. I can't tell you how many times driving from Hollywood to my home, thinking over the hills, I'm driving over Coldwater Canyon, I can't believe I'm going to write another project to try to pitch. I can't believe I'm going to come up with another project. You'd almost feel like an idiot to continue to keep trying. (laughs) But let me tell you, like I realized when I was even younger, is that always figure out what you can do to make it better. I will never stop working on these projects. And one thing that I want to tell your listeners is this. A lot of times we get so focused that I want to do something on the what. It's the what I want to do. And we don't put enough time into thinking of the why I want to do it. You know, when I was young, I said to my sister, if I was at Disney, sitting at a desk, drawing the same drawing of Mickey Mouse all day long, I'd be the happiest guy in the world. But now years later, I would love to shake myself and say, dude, who cares that you're at Disney? What really matters is what stories are you telling? You know what I mean? It's not like at the end of life. It's like wow, you worked at Disney. Big Knowing deal.
0: your reasons for things, no, is why, why help are you doing You keep something? recommitting to how hard it is. Yeah. because you know the reason you want it. Yeah,
1: and that gives you meaning.
0: Gives you purpose.
1: That gives you purpose. And you know what? Greatness, and this is something really important that I remind myself. Greatness does not mean what it is that you accomplish. It means what it is that you wake up every day and fight for. Yeah. What do you work towards? Steve Jobs created an amazing phone. Great phone. What if he died the day before the phone was actually complete? He never actually did it. Would you say his life is a failure? No. Greatness is waking up and saying, I want to work hard at something and putting your effort. And I'll also go a step further and say, accomplishing Oscars and awards and MVPs in the NBA is really not greatness. It means you're great at something. But being great means what kind of a person do I become? That's the end of the day, the most important thing. That's the example I want to give my kids. I don't want my kids to go, wow, I love my dad. He's so cool. He works at Disney. He did this. I want them to go, wow, you know what? My dad loves me. My dad's patient. My dad's encouraging. My dad has integrity. Those are the values of what really defines greatness.
0: And so now here you are. You're working on a show at Netflix. We're going show much at Netflix gold standard at this point. Gold standard.
1: I'm working with Jennifer Gardner. Uh, Jennifer she's Gardner. she's Heard the of voice. Her. Right. Yeah. She's the voice of this character. The show's called Lama Llama. It's Llama. a pretty big team. A big team, and she is the sweetest, most humblest, wonderfulest.
0: You're working with the guy who directed Lion King on this, right? Yeah,
1: Rob Mankoff. Not he,
0: bad, and you sang Circle of Life in your dorm room. And that's you right. You two were working that's together. Right, which I did tell him, by the parallel. way. Parallel.
1: That's how parallel. Yeah, he's the executive producer Welcome on the show. Welcome to your life, Saul yeah. Mankoff. but I tell you, one of my favorite moments is I got to direct a, an actor named Mark Hamill. You know who that is?
0: Yeah. Oh my little god. Little movie called Star Wars. Crazy.
1: That was a moment for me. You know, Kathy, a lot of your listeners could be listening now and they're gonna say, oh, we heard from a guy and he achieved his dream in Disney and he worked in a lot of big movies and lives in Hollywood and directs Mark Hamill and Jennifer Gardner and wow, what a great life. But the one thing and I we could spend about 10 hours talking about is all the failures that I've had along the way. And I'm telling your listeners, I've had equal failures to equal success. Many, many failures. I've made great money. I've lost great money. I've had a jobs come right to me and I've gone six months without a job. You know, there's a lot of struggle along the way. But at the end of the day, in those moments when you're failing and it's dark and you don't believe in yourself and that light switch goes off, you have to remind yourself. It's almost like being a little kid again. There's that little spark in me that says this is really part of who I am. And to fight for something, to work hard for something, that will give you energy at the end of the day to succeed. And... Surround yourself with people that believe in you. Who says you have to go at it alone? I heard
0: Gary Vaynerchuk saying like, you know, being an entrepreneur, nobody says that this is easy or smooth or you're not going to have any ups and downs, but you do it because it's absolutely what you just must have to do. Otherwise, you're going to be building someone else's dream and being hired. You'll have stability, but you're building someone else's dream. For sure. So Saul, um, that was one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard. I was moved to tears literally three times. Um, You are an incredible force and you have so much humility and I just wanted to also add you're also a dad of four kids Mm -hmm. and so you've you've done all of that while achieving incredible balance um and I happen to know because we talked about this earlier and I happen to know you but um you met your wife at Disney and I think that that's really cool that it shows people you know like when you show up as who you are in this world you attract you know the people around you the friends around you the sort of what is your destiny is sort of waiting for you and those people will support you and i want to give her a shout out because i think that it always takes a great person a partner to help you get to where you are you know and support you and cheer for you along those ways and she's been nothing but incredible that
1: i mean to that yeah
0: he's aimed yeah exactly she's uh, she's, amazing. No, she's amazing she's amazing um Thank God. so here you are you're directing you're living in hollywood you are getting jobs things are smooth. You're working at Netflix. There's no cooler place to be. What do you want next? What's the dream? Where do you want it to go from here?
1: Every project that I write, I always start with the sentence of what it is that I want to say. One of my professors in school said to me, don't pick up a pencil unless you have something to say. The one thing that I want to infuse in all the work that I do in the future is to encourage and inspire people to go for their dreams. That's it, simply. Not just to entertain people, but to have messages that are deep. You know, um, whatever projects that I write, that I'm writing in the future, that I'm working on now, working on a brother's story right now about responsibility for your brother and working hard. So the values that I value, I want to put those into the stories that I tell. And I'll also say that while filmmaking and my Hollywood life is very exciting, it's only a facet to me. You know, a diamond is bright because it has many facets. That's just a part of me. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be someone that's involved in leadership in my community. There's a lots of facets to me. Um, so my goals in filmmaking are one, but I have many goals. Uh, also, I will say to you that, you know, Oscars and awards, it doesn't mean anything to me. It's nothing. It doesn't matter. You know, again, like achieving the finish line and saying, hey, I have an Oscar, a king of the world. It's nice to be recognized by your peers, but I want to make something, some bit of content, whether it's a book, a movie, a show. That is going to inspire somebody somewhere to continue to move forward and reach for their dreams. Well,
0: you definitely did that today. Thank you. And here you are, a person who's absolutely living their dream, making a living, doing what they love. You have not had a day job since before you... I don't even know if you ever had one since before you went to Columbus College of Art and Design. Um, You have been doing, since you graduated from there... You've been doing what you love. You've been figuring it out um, because of that tenacity and that huge heart and that ability to not Mm -hmm. take things personally and keep moving forward. And that is an incredible testament to your character.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's inspiring to see what you're doing every day. And uh, I, I hope to see you again soon.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow, Saul, thank you so much. What an incredibly inspiring story. I'm sitting here feeling so lucky to just sit and get to hear the story. Um, And that's the thing about living your dream and making a living doing what you love. Like you get to actually enjoy every single day and you feel like you're gonna pinch yourself because you're so lucky to get to just sit and do what you're doing. Let's talk about what are the highlights of things that you said, and there were so many. Let me see if I can boil them down to three things that I thought were really key, valuable. So the three takeaways are, number one, it's so important to know What you want, but you have to know how to get what you want. It's one thing to know what you want, now you got to find the strategy and go figure out how to get it. Number two, knowing what you do well is key, but knowing what you need to work on is even more important, and then go and work on it. And the third thing, which is absolutely priceless, is you need to go to sleep every day and be able to say, Nobody worked harder than me today. All right. If you like what you're hearing, go to iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review. We want to hear what you think. Tell your friends about this. Like us on Facebook. Don't keep your day job. We love hearing from you. It's a pleasure to do this show. And we we are continuing to be here to encourage you, support you, and inspire you towards what you want. There's no good reason why you can't have it. We want to see people quitting their day jobs and doing what they love. Of course, all in the right time. We want to see you happy, successful, turning your passion into something that makes you a living. I want to give a shout out to the amazing team who makes this show possible. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.